Awesome. So today's new series Sunday, we're starting a new series called Fresh Off the Press. And so I want to encourage you to um, today. I want you to listen with your heart, but learn with your mind. Let's listen with our hearts and learn with our minds. I have a lot of notes today. A lot of notes. Um, I'll be teaching a lot, a lot of teaching. As a matter of fact, we don't really get to the preach until like the last five or ten minutes. So really need you to lean in today and, and uh, just strap in your seatbelts. And it, it's going to be good. Every year uh, around Christmas time, because we always give the church off that last Sunday. Um, so I have about almost two weeks to just prepare for the next year's message series. Um, as I was preparing uh, this past Christmas break, the Holy Spirit really started stirring me up about um, doing a series about the Bible. Not just what's within but about the Bible. So how was the Bible made or composed? How did it, how did it come to be? And so, um, I, you know, I, I just, I, I believe that we're living in a time where we got to kind of hit the reset button yes. on this Christianity thing. Yes. Um, it, right now, you can, you can log into anybody, right? Everyone that you ever love as a communicator is online. You know, yeah. name your favorite preacher. They're out there. Um, and I'm grateful for, for what God is doing across the kingdom of God, across our nation and across the world. But I, I do feel, uh, I don't know if it's convicted by the Holy Spirit as a preacher, as a communicator of the gospel. I feel like we are over-motivated. And I feel like um, if we're not careful, we can come to church looking for a filling or a buzz or an excitement just to get us through the next week. And, and that's important. You know, that's vital. You know, we, we need to know we're going to make it. We need to know we're going to overcome. We, we need to know every single day that God loves us through Christ. Um, but we also need to learn. And we need to understand that our faith is founded upon reality. It's not myth. It's not, um, it's not just cool stories that get us excited and we equate them to the next cool story about our best friend's day yesterday. Like, how does David and Goliath and, you know, it, it's, it's like reality. Like, David really beat Goliath. He was really outnumbered. And Jesus really did rise uh, from the dead. Like, that's historically proven. And so I want to, I, I feel led to get us back to a place where, our faith is substantiated by fact, because it is. And then from there, we remain excited about life and about the possibilities of the future, because we know that our faith is founded upon things that actually happen. Real people, real situations, a real God who is still very much in control today. And so the only way you can do that, though, is through teaching. And um, so... Personally, nothing has shaped my life more than Scripture. Nothing more. A few decisions I made that was pivotal in my life 16 years ago. Gave my life to Jesus. Got plugged into a local church. Became a tither. And then I built my life on the Word of God. So any area of my life that did not align with what God said, I started to allow the Holy Spirit to renew that part of my life, right? Instead of holding on to it and wondering why this faith I profess doesn't seem to have the power that the scripture teaches about, I wanted 
the faith I profess to become aligned with the power of those of Scripture. That's good. And the only way I figured out how to do that was to, okay, I can't sleep with somebody who is not my spouse. Okay, no. I have to stop that. And I have to align my life with the Word of God. If not, I'm always going to be broken in this area. I want to heal. That, that's been passed down in my family. So how do I break this? Well, I follow the Word of God. So right? And I begin to step into a process where I am going to be blessed. And so it, it's shaped me as a man. As it, it, The Bible has turn me from a follower to a leader, the Bible, right? There's been input, there's been mentors, there have been pastors, there have been older men and women, but the scripture has shown me how to lead. Um, um, it, it's taken me from not knowing how to deal with finances or manage finances to looking at the principles, obeying the principles, even when it got rocky and tough, still trusting the word of God and doing what God has said to do. And so I've seen blessing there. Um, I had this thought, I'll never marry a girl who has a child. The Holy Spirit says, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so as I began to trust that and submit to that, I had to seek wisdom from Scripture. Right Now I have a beautiful, handsome 13-year-old. Uh, and, 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 and just, just the Word of God, standing on the Word of God has been the most essential tool personally in my life and I want to invite you into that I think you got to stop playing church right. but but you, you you got to get home you got to get into this thing and you got to begin to live it out so I want to teach and help you develop and cultivate an appetite for scripture beyond any other book out there beyond any other po podcast I want to help you develop an appetite for scripture this is what I've come to find out is that the Bible is the most effective tool for our practical success and spiritual fulfillment It's the most effective tool for our practical success, business owners, yes. parenting, yes. Yes. students. Matter of fact, one of the great things about youth conferences are the ones that are, the ones like the one uh, we just sent our youth to is um, God, most of the people in scripture, God called them when they were teenagers. Right. David was discovered, and historians believe he was anywhere between 9 and 17 years old. That's right. That's right. And a few years after that, he killed Goliath. But he was anointed as a king, as a teenager. So um, the calling early in life, there's a reason why in Scripture that by 30 you've stepped into what you should be doing for the next 20 years, and by 50 you should be retired pouring into the next generation. The, the Bible is so, so that, what that tells me historically for, the, for, you know, how God set things up, right? You're 20, you enter military service, you're a priest. You, from 20 to 50, it's my prime years. Yeah. Yeah. By the time I'm 50, I want to be landing the plane, right? And enjoying life, right? But that's in the Bible, right? I, I know a lot of 50, 60, and 70-year-olds still and there's nothing wrong with that. I get it. But when you know it young, when you know it young and you trust it young and you honor it young and you live it out young, you, 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 your latter days are better than your former days. Right. And, and I, I know that the spirit is trying to get this generation to wake up. I know that he is. And so um, it says this here in Second Timothy 
Y'all okay? Yes. All right, second, second Timothy. I'm going to take my time. Nine o'clock I didn't, but I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take my time and finish on time. Nine o'clock I, I didn't know my material, so I went over. But I'm going to take my time and finish on time. All right. Thank you. Uh, it says this here, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Here it is. This is so important. God uses the scripture, the Bible, the word, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So God uses his word to equip us to do every good work. Every good work. All right, and so, but I want us to lean in at the top of verse 16. It says this here, lean in on this. All scripture is inspired by God. Inspired, all of it. All of this is from God. So scripture means this, if you're taking notes. It means inspired writing. Inspired writing. So when we speak, we breathe out, we exhale. So, so, so God would, would breathe on, would breathe, he would breathe on people. And as they were open and inspired by God, they would write. So when we're reading the word of God, we're inhaling what God has exhaled. So he's breathing in, into your, into you. All right. It's, it's just vital to know, to know that. Now, how did the Bible come to be? How was it made? Now, this is, we're going to spend the bulk of our time here. 90% of our time we're going to spend here on history. And so I really need you to lean in. How was the Bible made? All right, number one, Bible, the word Bible means books or the books. The books. Because it is composed of 66 individual books. 66 individual books. Three languages, and it was written across three continents. Three languages, three continents. Asia, Africa, and Europe. And a, and a, a nickname for the Bible, you can call the Bible the canon. It's been canonized, so it's, it's a canon, okay? So the word canon means a collection of authoritative books. So, so the Bible within itself has authority. Right. And it's not that we as man determine that it has authority. It's that as man engaged it, we discover that it has authority. Right. So like when you read it, it's like, God, whoa. Wow, that's awesome. Whoa, my life, right? You're just saying those one, two things. Wow, that's awesome. Whoa, my life. Like, it, it's authoritative, right? Yes. Right? Yes. And, and that's because in Hebrews, this is why it has authority. It has authority because in the book of Hebrews, it says that it is alive, yeah. right? Dead things don't have authority. They're dead. Come on now. Right? Come on. It's a good thought, good. right? Good tip, good nugget. But this thing, that's right. you read it. Let's go. Right? It get all up in your junk. Right? And that's because in Hebrews says it's alive and it divides spirit and soul. And, and it divides joint and marrow. That's crazy. Because before Christ, Scripture teaches that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were dead spiritually. So your spirit man was dead. 
when you're reborn and you receive Christ in the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're born again, your spirit comes back alive. Right? right? So that's the Holy Spirit who's brought your spirit back to life. And now the Holy Spirit wants to influence and inform your soul. Your soul is who you are. It's your thoughts, your desires, and your will. So the Holy Spirit wants to inform your soul. After your soul is informed, your body begins to move. Right? Joint and marrow. Right? So the reason a lot of Christians feel defeated is because when we get into seasons where we're not feeding ourselves the word of God, the spirit has nothing to tell or to guide the soul with. So you got to feed the spirit in order for the soul to inform your flesh. Right? So that's why when you read the word, you're like, all right, well, (laughs) we got to change that up. Because the spirit is feeding and informing the soul and causing your life to change on the outside. Right? And and so I know that Satan is working overtime right now to to keep us away from the word of God. And if I can really give you a tip as to what his goal is, um, across the world eventually when when the Bible calls um, the Antichrist right now the man of lawlessness. Check out the, the word lawlessness. Right. Let me give you let me give you some end time pro tip. The the ultimate goal of the Antichrist is to make this illegal. Right? The Antichrist is going to move in the end times in, in two in two sectors politics and religion. But it's going to move in politics first. So if I can make this illegal, if we can get rid of this, we can, we can take some of the power away from right. the church. I know Satan is working overtime in your life to keep you distracted and right. on social media and, and hanging out and having fun. But, but as soon as the Holy Spirit says, hey, why don't you read your Bible? You ever gotten sleepy? Yeah. Whoa. Don't, don't, sell, don't, don't admit too much now. Don't, don't confess too much. Right? It's, it, a spirit of slumber comes over you. Or when you go to pray, you're like, Lord, I'm going to go pray in my room. Come on. Lord Jesus. Right? He, he, he's, he's working overtime. All right. So, so the canon is, it has its own authority within. You read it, right? And it was written from, here it is, roughly 1400 B.C. You guys aren't this side. 1400 B.C. to 90 A.D., the Bible. So about a 1500-year process. Wow. All right? And it has 40 writers, watch this, but one author. Wow. 40 writers, but one author. So the, the author being God. So simply put, here it is. God spoke, man wrote. God spoke, man wrote. Now, who were these men? All right. Um, Prophets, priests, and scribes. So prophets were those who God would give a word, right? They would speak. They were messengers of God. They would write. Um, Priests, spiritual leaders would write. And scribes, those who were set apart just to write. And it was preserved throughout history and passed on and, and, and the hand of God was doing his thing. Simply put, uh, Exodus 24 verse 4 says this, Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Moses, right? Moses wrote the first five books 
of Scripture from Genesis to Deuteronomy. It's what we call the Pentateuch, Penta meaning five, Torah or the law of God, right? We'll discuss that here in a minute. And then Isaiah, so Moses lived 1,400 years pre-Christ. Isaiah lived 700 years before Christ. God said this to Isaiah, watch this. Now go and write down these words. Write them in a book. The book of Isaiah, right? They will stand until the end of time as a witness. So the world will be without excuse when Jesus comes back. You can let it sit on the shelf all you want, but God will always be able to say, I I was trying to speak to you through that evangelist, through that preacher, through that that dusty book, like through through that Gideon book in your hotel rooms. Like I I, I put it all over the place. Right. So he just said like as a witness. All right. So let's deal with the Old Testament canon. Okay. Y'all okay? All right, so the Old Testament canon, the work there was done between 1400 B.C. and 430 B.C. before Christ. Um, The word testament means contract, so um, I'll get into a little bit of that here in a minute. So the first part of your Bible is uh, made up of 39 books, the Old Testament, 39 books. It's written in Hebrew. And the Old Testament covers a, a few different Different spots here. Number one, the law. The law. The historical books. Wisdom literature. The major prophets. The minor prophets. Okay. So so the law was written by Moses. And the word law has like four different translations. Principles, precepts, the word of God. Has all these and has different but same meaning. It all converges, right? Yeah. The law, all right. So you you see there Genesis, the creation of the world, Adam and Eve, the fall of man, right? One world government, Babel, the Tower of Babel. God confused them by giving them different languages, and then humans spread across the world because man was building up. Man said, "We're going to build something as high as heaven." Mm-hmm. God said, "No, you want you, right. you're prideful." Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, we'll keep moving. You're prideful. So I'm going to tear you down. And he spread man across the world. All right. And then he called Abraham. No, um, um, you got Noah. Then he called Abraham. And then Israel became a nation through Israel. Right. Israel then goes into Egyptian bondage. Mm -hmm. Right. And God raises up a messenger, a prophet named Moses. The, The name Moses actually means out of water. Right. So when he took them out of Egypt, they went across the Red Sea on dry ground. Right. And, and if you go to the Red Sea right now, there are chariots and wheels at the bottom of the Red Sea. It was a real event because when Egypt tried to go, God closed the water on them. And so he freed them from Egypt, which means sin is somewhat of a baptism, put them into the wilderness and they were going to go into the promised land. It's really the plan of God for your life, freeing you from sin. You get baptized, then there's a plant, there's a promised land for your life. Yes, it's Jesus, but it's a lot more than just that before you die, right? And, and, and so God got them in the wilderness and he gave them the law because he was setting them apart as a nation. And he was beginning the process of bringing the Savior of the world into the world. So he was saying, you can't be like the other nations. I'm giving you the law. The law, okay? And then the historical books start with the book of Joshua and their conquest, the promised land, the land of Canaan, 
the same land they're fighting for right now, Israel and Palestine. But that land was promised to the Israelites. It's in God's word. All right. Then we have the wisdom literature. When you're new to the Bible and you ask people, what should I read? A lot of people will tell you, read Psalms and Proverbs. <laughs> That's where you're, you're stuck in the wisdom literature all the time. You, you're reading that all the time. It's Psalms, Proverbs, um, um, Song of Solomon, which is a love story. A lot of crazy stuff in Songs of Solomon. Um, <laughs> God is, you know, God is in there. You're talking about all kinds of crazy stuff, but that's only for marriage and all that. Anyway, but you should read it. It's some stuff in there. All right. And then Ecclesiastes. God created sex. Sex is good, right? Yep. Shock factor. Just shocked you a little bit right there. All right. But it's, it's in there. And some, some deep people say, well, that's a book about Jesus in the church. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. That's a book about a man and a woman and all that. That's the God. Someone say God's word. God's word. All right. All right. All right. So then the major prophets, y'all okay? Yes. The, now the major prophets, um, it's not that their work was more significant. It's that they had a bigger platform. So major prophets had the ears of kings and queens and God put them on major platforms. Then the minor prophets, um, significant work, but the scope of their work was smaller than the major prophets. All right, so that's your Old Testament canon. This is key if you're a Christian. Jesus and the apostles affirmed the completion and the authority of the Old Testament canon. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said, I have not come to do away with the law. The law is good. The principles of the law are good. I've come to fulfill it and accomplish its purpose because you can't. Right. So I didn't come to do away with it. I affirm it. And, and you should look into it because it was written for our learning. All right. And, and then Josephus, who was a secular historian in first century Jerusalem, Israel, he said that the Old Testament canon, he was a real man, a historian. The Old Testament canon was closed during the time of the Persian king Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes lived during the time of Malachi. And that's the last book of the Old Testament. Artaxerxes was all in favor of Israel going back to Israel to rebuild the temple and rebuild the wall. And God moved in his heart. And and then Jesus was going to come. God did not speak for 400 years until John the Baptist came on the scene and baby Jesus was born. Let's deal with the New Testament canon. Y'all okay? Now, the New Testament canon was written from 55 A.D. to 90 A.D. We think that the book of Mark is the first writing. And we believe that John is the last book. Uh, Revelation is the last book of the New Testament canon written by John, an original disciple of Jesus. The New Testament canon. And so your New Testament canon is composed of, of a few different sections. Number one, the Gospels. Number two, the Acts of the Apostles. Number three, the Epistles, or the word there is letters. Y'all okay? Yes. (laughs) And then Revelation, right? The last, the end times, all right? So the Gospels were written by four different individuals. They all got different, if this is Jesus, you know, Matthew saw him from here. Mark saw Christ from here. There are different perspectives, like Luke here and John here. All right, all right. so Matthew was a disciple, an, an original disciple of Jesus. He was a tax collector. Great book. It's my favorite gospel, personally. All right, Mark was a contemporary of Peter, right? So Mark would have gotten his accounts of the life of Christ through interviews, 
You ever interview somebody? Right? You, you ever interview someone who's trustworthy and, and you know them and you, you care about them and you know they, they're not lying to you? That's Mark. He would have interviewed uh, Mary, Jesus' mother. He would have interviewed the disciples. He would have interviewed people who were healed by Jesus. Hey, tell me that part of that story. You had the issue of blood. Tell me a little bit about that. You were bleeding for 12 years. Oh, your, your kid was uh, uh, possessed by a demon. Tell me a little bit about that. So he would have got his interviews. And then Luke is a physician. So his gospel is long and detailed. Yeah. Right? He was a contemporary of the Apostle Paul, and whom Paul did not know the Christ's pre-resurrection. Paul met Christ's post-resurrection. So, so Luke traveled with Paul. He cared for Paul. He had medicine. He prayed for the apostle. He, he was really a, a great guy. And so he, he, he interviewed people as well. Luke, right, the physician. Luke also authored the Acts of the Apostles. So when the Holy Spirit was moving through the apostles after Jesus ascended into heaven, right? And then John is an original disciple of Jesus. He lived the longest. History records that John was so powerful and the Roman Empire was so afraid of him that um, when John did not denounce Christ, they threw him into a pot of boiling oil. And history records that John came out without a scratch. And they said, what kind of freak mess is this? And so they, they exiled him to an island off of the coast of Greece, Patmos. And after John overcame his greatest challenge, God gave him the book of Revelation. So it's when you get alone that God really speaks to you. Right? He gives you a revelation. He speaks to you. So you got to fight to to get alone. And so he, he shows them all these things about the end times and the Antichrist and how Christ is going to come back to redeem us and there's going to be a time of tribu- tribulation. Then he's going to come back again to defeat Satan and, and, and he's one world government. All, all this stuff is in the book of Revelation. He gave that to John and John was the oldest original apostle to eventually pass away by natural causes. As a matter of fact, it said it in the Gospel of John. Um, um, Jesus was calling out to John, and, and um, some of the disciples got jealous about Jesus calling them over. And Jesus said, what is it to you if I have him live until I come back? It, it doesn't matter. And so essentially Jesus was just saying, look, I'm going to have him live longer than all y'all. That's my calling on his life. Someone say real people. Real people. Real people. Peter was crucified upside down for his faith. This is documented. He said, I am unworthy to die and be crucified like my master. Paul was beheaded. This is documented. This is history. Real people, real stories, a real God. Right? You ever got your head cut off? No? Oh, don't say not yet, sweetie, please. Jesus. Don't do it. Don't let her. Jesus' name. Receive it. That's what we want, right? <laughs> Don't let it get a heck on. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I haven't been challenged that much. Right? But, but I think it's coming back. I think it's coming back around. Okay? Now, Acts of the Apostles, are, this is how the Holy Spirit moved through the Apostles the years that after Christ ascended into heaven. Okay, the church was growing now. And then the epistles, if you're taking notes, these are letters written by the apostles to teach and encourage the church as the church was being spread across the Roman Empire. All right. Eventually, Rome would grow to cover um, parts of Asia, 
Africa and Europe. And at one point, they dominated the entire Mediterranean Sea. Right. They were advancing in technology. So it's 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 no coincidence that God chooses to bring Jesus into the world when the most powerful empire of that time is advancing through technology because God understands now the word can really get out. And now as the church escapes persecution, they can travel by boat and by bridge and by land because I'm using Rome as my vehicle to get the good news of Jesus out into the entire world. So God was very meticulous and strategic when he brought Jesus into the world. And, and as these epistles and these letters went out to the church, the church members recognized them as authoritative. Right. Yeah, yeah, this is a letter from Peter, a follower of Christ. Let's talk here. Christian persecution and circulating letters. This went on from 54 AD to about 312 AD. Someone say, this is important. This is important. It's important. All right, so the emperor Nero watched about half of Rome burn. And he needed someone to blame the fire on. And so he said, we want to blame those Christians. A political leader, 54 AD, said, we're going to blame those Christians. And this was the beginning or the initiation of Christian persecution. For the next 250 years, Christians could not openly gather and so all hope had been lost by a lot of Christians. We thought that the church was dead or dying. As a matter of fact, it got so bad with Nero that if you were a Christian and you didn't denounce your faith, they would kill you. They would throw you to the lions. They would hang your dead body at night so that you would burn and be city lights for the city. That's how bad it got in Rome for Christians. And this was off and on, more so on than off, for 250 years. But as this was happening, Christians began to spread out across the empire. Wow. And, and the Bible actually says in, 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 uh, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, that the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus everywhere they went. So it didn't stop them from living for God yeah. or, or telling people about right, God. Right. It, only, it only reinforced the need for God. Yeah in society. They recognize the evil and they recognize that this, everything that we see and everything that we wear and dying is not all that there is, just this life, but there is an eternity beyond this place. And oftentimes as Christians were being persecuted and killed, they would say what Jesus said. They would say, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they were okay with dying because they knew that heaven was home, right? But they were praying for their persecutors as they were being killed. And so, with no uh, advanced technology, the apostles had to write letters to these churches to teach, clarify, and encourage as they were being, uh, uh, as they were being persecuted. All right? So, y'all okay? Yes. All right, now, 1 Peter. 1 Peter, verse 1. Go ahead and pull that up. Peter says this. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia. You ever heard of the book of Galatians? Come on now. Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bethnia. Okay? And then, and then Peter also said this. I want to turn to it because it's so powerful. P- Peter said this. 
about the letter. Um, he sent the letter to, uh, oh, my bad, Peter. Pull it up. Second Peter um, chapter 3 says this here. He says this here to these churches he wrote to. And he said, and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. He's talking to persecuted people. He's saying when they, when they beat you and when they lock you up, when they don't receive the gospel. He said, remember this about those who are beating you and doubting your faith. He said, remember this. I want to encourage you because it's hard. It's tough right now. And the world is trying to push Jesus out of everything. But he said this from the, from the mouth of an apostle. He said this. He, he said, remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote. Someone say wrote. Wrote, wrote to you with the wisdom of, that God gave him. Speaking of these things in all his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand. The Bible can be hard to understand. That's what Peter is saying. And he says this, And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. Not mine's, not ours, but theirs. Their life being destroyed. Their souls being lost to hell. But he said the word is the word. So 250 years of, of sending faithful letter carriers to these churches, the church was able to take 250 years to say, that's not from Peter. That don't even sound like him. That's not from John. That's not from Paul. Oh, that's from Peter. That's from John. That's from Paul. Right. And so God was using the church being led of the Holy Spirit right, right. to say that letter has the authority of God on it. That letter doesn't. And so whenever these letters would reach the church, the, the leaders would copy them. And they would take those letters from Paul and Peter and the rest of the apostles and teach and preach from them. Right? And, and so finally, Christian persecution hit a, hit a, hit a, um, a climax um, under Diocletian, the emperor of Rome. And... and, and I didn't share this at the 9 a.m., but you have to understand something. Diocletian wanted to persecute Christians on a level that no emperor before him had ever persecuted Christians. And so in his wrestling, he consulted an oracle. And this oracle's name meant snake. Right? He consults this oracle, and she says, go forth. You have to understand something if you're a follower of Christ. Is that all policy is driven by spirituality. All policy is driven by spirituality. So if Diocletian had went to Christ and asked, should I persecute Christians? He would have said no. But he went to an oracle whose name was Snake. Sounds similar to Genesis she said yes. So when I'm voting, let's go, let's 
good. I have to now ask myself, what is the source that is inspiring this policy? Is it of God or is it of the devil? Watch this. There is no in-between. There's no, well, it's the man thing. Well, the man thing is always the satanic thing. Y'all don't want to clap about this. The God thing is the God thing. So hear my heart as your spiritual father. If this is your church home, you have to start voting according to biblical values. And guess what? Just because it's in the Bible, watch this. It does not mean that God agreed with it. But he wrote about it anyway. All kinds of crazy stuff in the Bible. Doesn't mean he agreed with it. Sin is in there. Death is in there. Murder is in there. Doesn't mean he agreed with it. But he wrote it to show us the result of when we turn and when nations turn from his word. Versus the result of when nations trust and obey and live by his word. And when you read like books like Kings and you see uh, one king who loved God and worshiped God and tore down all the idol worship, God began to bless the nation and prosper the people and move the people forward. But when another king would rise up and and they would worship idols and and lead people away from God, there was famine and and division and fighting and rage and anger. It's all in here. Real people, real stories. Right. Real right. God. I just I want you to take that away. All policy is driven by spirituality. And it's either of the devil or it's of God. And that's why you need to read your word. And, and so back to these letters. Paul, Paul sent a friend. Jason, go ahead and close me out. Paul sent a friend named Epaphroditus to the church in Philippi when Paul was in prison. And and history records that this is Paul's most joyous letter, though he's in prison. Right? And he said this about Epaphroditus. He said, meanwhile, he's telling this to the church in Philippi. I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. Um, He was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. I'm already in prison for Christ and now my best friend's going to like he said God saved his life so that I wouldn't have sorrow. Right. He says this here. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you for I know you will be glad to see him. And then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy. Give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. What he's saying is Epaphroditus was going from Rome to Philippi, from Rome to Philippi, from Rome. And he was carrying my letters and he was bringing y'all's money back to me. He was bringing y'all's food. He was bringing my coat. He was bringing my papyri. He was going back to you. And in that process of him transferring these letters so that your faith would be built, he almost died during the work of God. And so essentially those 250 years of persecution allowed God to purify the New Testament canon. Where the church would say, 
That's not from Paul. This is from Paul. And eventually, a book was compiled. Because Rome was the first nation to bring collections of books together, and it's called the Codex. So God knew that I can form this book, and I can get it out into the world. And isn't it crazy? After the church's um, greatest season of persecution, God says, okay, that's enough. They've spread out. You've beat them enough. Now I'm going to raise up a new emperor. And his name is Constantine. So Diocletian is removed from power. Just removed. Just straight up removed. God removed him from power. And then Constantine was raised by a single mother who believed in Christ. And he was, his dad got moved, got moved him up as the emperor of the West. There was a civil war between the East and the West. Constantine and his soldiers saw a vision in the sky one day, a vision. So they were awake. They saw a vision of a cross. At this point, he's a pagan king. They saw the vision of a cross and it said, by this, you will conquer. Later that night, Constantine has a dream. Jesus himself comes to Constantine. And he says, that vision was from me. Constantine gets up. This is like 312 AD. Constantine gets up, puts the cross on the shields of his soldiers. Wins that civil war. The most powerful empire in the world. Wins that war. And then makes Christianity the faith of that empire. And now Christians come out of hiding and they begin to gather and worship. Man, this thing's so trill. This thing's so trill. It's so real. That's history. Someone say history. That's not myth. That's not legend. That happened, dude. And so our faith is built on real stuff. A real God. A faithful God. It really happened. Mm. Wow. And so then we'll pick up on the history next next week, but just then I got to deal with the codex and all that, but we'll stop it right there. I want to give you three ways we should respond to this real quick because I'm, I'm, I'm over time. Number one, trust. I got to be real quick. We got to trust the scripture. This is history. Real people, real stories of faithful God. He preserved his word. He preserved his people. We can trust this word. Number two, we got to honor it. We need to be the generation that leads in that again. Honoring the word of God, giving it weight, honoring its authority, right? I want to honor the word over, over my feelings and, right. and over my opinion. That's right. 
over my comfort, over my political philosophy. Right. We got a debt that's, that that crap is is becoming an idol in your life. And, and instead of saying, "Well, this is what God's word says," we're saying, "Well, this is what the Democrats say." That's God don't care about any the God doesn't care about that. It's about His word. He blesses His word. He moves on His word. What does the word say about that? And I have to come into alignment with that. No matter how I feel, I have to align with that because that's the safest place for me, for my family, and for our nation. And we, we get in an uproar about stuff, not understanding that it, it wasn't the judges, it wasn't the lawyers, it wasn't the president. It was God who did it. Blame God for the decision. Blame God for the leader who's in position. It's the hand. When God is done with the king, he'll remove him. When God is done with the policy, he'll remove it. It's God who's doing it because he's trying to get our attention. And there are people who are praying. So that our nation doesn't fall under judgment. We got to honor it. We got to honor it. Someone say honor the word. Honor the word. You call it old school, but it works. It works. Number two, we have to exchange. We have to exchange. What does that mean, Pastor? That means if I have a thought... It's what I've done for 16 years. I'm going to exchange that thought for God's thought. Right. Right. We've got to exchange. we got to exchange. Exchange my thoughts for the truths and the principles of Scripture. I've learned to allow the Word to shape my values and my mindset. you got to do it. Okay. Stop holding on to what mom and grandma taught you if it was not of Scripture. It will not prosper your life. My mom will admit it right now. I love my mom. She's probably watching. She would admit to you right now. She she did not tithe. She was not in church. She did not serve. When I read the Bible, the Bible says tithe, be generous, serve. So I'm going to exchange how I was raised with what my heavenly father has told me to do. Because that's where blessing is. That's where power is. That's where favor is. It's in the word of God. Exchange, exchange, exchange. Exchange. Say exchange. 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 It's a quick turnaround, team. I got to go here because God's doing something. I got to go here. Here it is. Watch this. I was the baby of 24. Everywhere I look, two baby mamas, three baby mamas, two baby mamas, four baby mamas, two baby mamas, six baby mamas, seven baby mamas. Everywhere I look, sleep, sleep with her, 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 sleep with her. Stop sleeping around. Give me your body. Give me your life. I'm going to give you a wife. I'm going to bless your family. You got to exchange. Exchange for God's word. For God's word. Got to exchange it.